it's important to come to church hungry, isn't it? Glory to God. In Ephesians chapter 5, we, uh, we started a new series last week called Redeeming the Time, as you can see up here on the back screen here. And in Ephesians chapter 5, let's pick up in verse number 11, and we'll read down through verse 16. Amen? Uh, Paul said here, writing to the church at Ephesus, and to you and I today, he says, And have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now he's writing to believers here. Uh, it says, For it is a shame to even speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Now, if you want to know what he's talking about, you can, we're not going to do it because of time, but you can start in verse 1 and read on down. And he's talking about that believers shouldn't have anything to do with these particular things. These are sins. <laughs> Amen. And uh, he says, from verse 12, For it's a shame to even speak of those things which are done in secret. But all things are reproved and made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doeth, uh, doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, verse 14, he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth. All right? Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Praise God. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, verse 14, Arise from the dead, Christ shall give thee light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Now look, look at verse 16, Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Amen? We are to redeem the time, because the days are evil. Now verse 16 in the New Living Translation Verse 16 in the New Living, the NLT, uh, we can go ahead and dismiss the kids. I forgot about that. They can go ahead back this time. Amen. In the New Living Translation, in verse 16, it says, Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. All right? Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And then uh, let's look at the Amplified Translation. It says, Making the very most of, uh, of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Now, we're talking about here in this, this new series how it, called Redeeming the Time or Making the Most of Your Time. And the thing, I want to review just a little bit what we shared last week because uh, it's just important to get this done in our spirits. That the one thing that God has given equally to every human being that's ever walked on this earth is something we call time. Amen. No matter what country you're born in, no matter what time of the year you're born in, what century you're born in, every single human being on this earth has been given a period of 24 hours a day. How many of you know that all of us are born with that? We have 24 hours a day. And God set these things up when we were planted in the, into the earth. And it's how we manage these 24 hours, this 24-hour period that will have a large it determines very much our outcome, what's going to happen in the future. Amen? Those 24 hours. And I'm sure that every one of us here have experienced what it's like to waste time. Has anybody here ever felt like you wasted time before? You know, or a whole day sometimes you feel like, man, I just wasted a bunch of time here. I could have been doing something more productive, you know. I think all of us could say we've been there, done that, probably more times than we'd like to think. Amen? But here's the good thing is that if we see time from God's perspective, and while I'm saying that, go over to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. 
if we see time from God's perspective, then we can see things from heaven's perspective, which can change the way we operate and the way we function on this earth. You know, it's amazing. There's a lot of people uh, that are alive today. And I've talked to some of those people, maybe you have too, that don't even know why they're here. I like I'm here, but I don't know why I'm here. You know, I'm just, was I a mistake? Did I just, why am I here? That's a good question. And a lot of times that question can spawn a lot of other uh, searching that those people can uh, look on the inside of them to see what is my purpose? Why am I here? And I believe with all of my heart that's why we're here. Amen? To get the light of the glorious gospel out. Amen? I remember one time I was, uh, we uh, were working in a church in Colleen, Texas. And we were, it was a military base, Fort Hood, if you've ever heard of that before. And um, we, uh, we had, the church had organized a large uh, outreach, if you will, to uh, witnessing teams. And we would train, my wife and I trained a bunch of people to, to learn how to, to witness Christ and share Christ with people. And there were a lot of people that had, uh, it was the very first time that they'd ever done that. Amen. And uh, so we went to the downtown part of Colleen, Texas, where Fort Hood and, uh, and I'm telling you, we went down there and it was just like there was probably 50 of us at least that just went out with gospel tracts and just t- taught people how to be led by the Spirit, what to say to people, you know, what not to say a lot of times, you know. And I remember this one time there was a guy that was in front of a blood bank. There was a blood bank downtown Fort Hood, okay. And uh, people were coming in and out, you know, and he was standing out there. So I walked up to him, started talking to him. And found out real quick that he didn't want to hear anything that I, have to, I had to say. <laughs> you ever had that happen before? It's like, come on. You know. And, uh, and, I, and I looked up, I, saw, I thought, you know, Colleen Blood Bank. All right, I'm thinking, do you know, you're standing, I told this guy, I said, you know, you're standing in front of a blood bank. And I said, there is a, there is a man that gave his blood for you. Praise God. Now, I didn't think of that. I would have never thought of that in a million years. Amen? And when I said that, that grabbed his attention. And I walked over to uh, this, this area, and there were some, some, uh, some people that were in the army, and they were waiting for a bus. And these are big, burly, tough guys, okay? And, uh, and I walked up in the midst of them. <laughs> and, man, I felt outnumbered. I'll tell you what. It was, these guys could intimidate with just one look. You know what I'm saying? And... Um, and I walked up to them and I said, and I'm just listening inside me. What, what am I supposed to say? I had no preconceived idea of what I'm supposed to say. So I'm kind of just taking out a step of faith. I'm stepping out here, you know. I said, hey, guys, how's it going? They looked at me like, Where, what planet did you, did you come from, you know. And I said, have you heard the good news today? They said, what, man, what are you talking about? I said, do you have a few minutes? I said, yeah, we're waiting for our bus, you know. So I sat down and talked to those guys. And the long, long story short, and these are, these are tough guys. And if I, walk, if I went by the natural, by what I could see, <laughs> that's why man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. If I was to go by what I saw with these guys, I would have ran from those guys. Okay? Because I was far outnumbered, if you know what I'm talking about. And, <laughs> and so I began to share the good news about Jesus coming down. And, you know, every single one of those guys bowed their heads there at that bus station gave their hearts to the Lord. Every single one of them. Well, I could say that day I redeemed the time. There was, we made up some time there, bless the Lord. Now, not everybody that we talked to about the Lord was ready to receive. Sometimes, you know, you just plant seeds. 
How many of you know that? You don't always close the deal, so to speak, with people. But there's a lot of times you can still be planting seeds, planting seeds. And, and it just takes the right person to come along and, you know, and uh, uh, close the deal, so to speak, where they can receive the Lord. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, and we're going to look at time from God's perspective. He says here, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Not H-O-L-L-Y, but W-H. Sanctify you wholly. I pray, God, that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we brought out the fact in this uh, session last week that, and you've seen this scripture before, that, man, from this scripture here, this is one of the best scriptures about spirit, soul, and body. Okay? Um, you're a three-part being. You are a spirit. You have a soul, and you live in a physical body. You're a three-part being. Just like there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you know, threes. And your spirit part of you is the real you. Okay? You can never say that enough. I think it's so important. I think one of the most important subjects to understand as a believer, when that person first gets born again, is understand you have a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a physical body. Now, the difference is this. Your spirit is the part of you that's been born again. It looks just like you, except a whole lot better. All right? And when you die physically, your spirit leaves your body. And the Scripture says to be absent from the body as a believer, to be absent from the body is to be instantly present with the Lord. You and I will never experience death. We've done all the dying we're ever going to do. Did you know that? Well, that's not true, Brother Keith. I just went to a funeral home last week and so-and-so passed away. No, they just left their body. They didn't die. Okay? Now, we call it physical death, which is mean, separation of your spirit from your body. But let me tell you something. There's been enough people around, and I've seen and heard enough testimonies, people that as soon as they, a Christian that leaves their body is instantly in the presence of God. That's what the Scripture says. You're not floating around out there in some clouds somewhere like, where am I? What's going on, man? You know what I'm saying? No. You're to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And Paul talks about where to comfort one another with these words. Praise the Lord. Now, your spirit is the real you. You have a soul which is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's your deciding factors. That's where you make choices and decisions. When you come to a V in the road, you know, your soul will determine which way am I going to go. Okay? Now, your spirit and your soul are connected even though they're separate. The only thing that can divide your spirit and your soul is, uh, is what the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing the spirit and the soul. You know, you can't physically look and see a man's spirit. Medical science has called it the, uh, uh, um, the subconscious mind, they call it. But it's actually the spirit of man. You can't see the spirit, but the spirit's real. Amen? Now, I've heard so many different testimonies about people that were on an operating table. I remember this one guy, he was on an operating table. And he apparently died because he said he, he floated up. You know, and he was looking down. He said, he said my God, that's me. He, he's, he's looking down on his body. He said he never felt so good in his entire life. You know, he's looking down on his physical body. He heard every conversation in that room. Okay? 
Now, in the natural, his body's unconscious, but he heard every decision. In fact, when he came, he came back into his body, the Lord sent him back. He came back into his body. He told those doctors and nurses their whole conversation. They said, my God, how did you even know that? Okay? He heard every single conversation. He repeated to them exactly what they said. When he was, he was out in the natural. But see, his spirit was just between those two places. You know what I'm saying? And... Uh, but your spirit is the real you, and your soul is connected to your spirit. And then, of course, you we're familiar most of all with our physical body that we, we live in. Amen? This is not the real me. This is just the house that I live in. Okay? Now, all three of these areas, your spirit, your soul, and your physical body, need nourishment. How many of you know that? Your, your body needs nourishment. We know that more than anything, right? You, you know, if you, if you quit eating for a period of time, you know, you're going to basically starve to death. All right? And, uh, but your physical body needs nourishment. It needs fed. And it also needs exercised. How many of you know that? Your soul needs nourished and it needs exercised. And most importantly, your spirit, your spirit needs fed and exercised. Okay? Now what are we talking about here? We're talking about redeeming the time. So if we understand God from time from God's perspective, we'll understand that we have to maintain we have to maintain our time, but see God's given us a spirit, a soul, and a body, and we have to take care of those things. Now the first thing we talked about last week in order to redeem the time, to make the most of your time on this earth, we have to have a right perspective of priorities as far as God is concerned. Amen. And we brought out the fact that, that Adam and Eve, that Adam, when God created Adam, then he created Eve. All right. When God created Adam, put him on this earth, the first thing that Adam had was a relationship with God. Amen. Amen. First thing Adam, before he even had a wife and had children, and had a job. God says, here's what you have. First and foremost, he had a relationship with Almighty God. Secondly, he had a relationship with his wife. And then thirdly, he had a relationship with his children. And then fourth was his job. Okay? And if we understand from uh, God's perspective, that the order of creation, the way he created things, this shows us and gives us a balanced idea of what priorities are supposed to be like. See, Proverbs chapter 11, I'll just refer to it, but Proverbs chapter 11 says, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. Anything that's out of balance in our life causes confusion, can cause problems. Amen? Now, I want to correct something that I said last week because it, I didn't want to give the impression that if you drink Coke, that you know, you're going to die of some dreaded disease or something like that. What I, what I, what I should have said, and I went back, I thought I should have, what I was talking about is balance. Okay, is it wrong to have a Coke or wrong to have this, you know? Uh, no. Okay, but if you live on that stuff all the time, if you have it on a consistent basis, you know, I'm not knocking the Coke companies and Pepsi and all that kind of stuff, but if you live on that stuff and you have it on a regular basis, you will open up yourself to sickness and disease in your life. You will. Okay. Oh, come on, Brother Keith. I just pray over my food. Listen. There's nothing of nutritional value in that. 
that's going to help your physical body. So many times we're praying about stuff and God's saying, we need wisdom. Because there may be something that we're doing in our lives that's causing another issue and we're opening up the door to the enemy because of a false balance in our life in a certain area. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not trying to preach bondage here, but I'm saying there's a balance for everything. You have to have balance in your spiritual life. You have to have balance in your soul. You have to have balance in your physical body. And uh, we certainly need balance in our time. And we can't go on a consistent basis, on a regular basis, and not have enough proper even rest for our physical bodies. And just burn the candle at both ends. I know it's tough to say some of this stuff sometimes, but because when, you're, when you've burned yourself out and you've given so much of your time and your effort, and your, you know what I'm saying? That your, your body becomes broken down, it becomes weakened, and your body needs physical rest. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Now, that doesn't mean you stay in bed for 12 hours a day. You understand what I mean? There's a balance. It's all, say balance. Okay. And if we understand how these things work, then things can work in the right perspective. They can work in the right way. Amen? And at one time I was feeling, uh, um, I was having some physical symptoms in my body. Uh, Nothing serious or anything like that, but I was just really dragging and stuff like that, you know. And I was praying about it, and the Lord spoke to my heart. I said, Father, I need wisdom. What's going on here? And, and in my heart, now I didn't hear it with these ears here, but in my heart, I had the witness in my spirit, you need to drink more water. And I thought, boy, that's right. I'm not drinking enough water. Okay? So, like magic, it wasn't magic, but like magic, I, took, I started drinking some more water. All of a sudden, that thing just went away. I felt better. My mind felt more clear. Amen? And it, instead of just popping a pill to try to save, try to correct something, that's what doctors a lot of times try to do is just take a pill for this when that's really not the root of what their problem is. In my situation, I just needed more H2O. I just needed more water. Amen? Everybody want to drink water now? <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? And, uh, but it goes back to balance. And a lot of times we're praying, God, I need a miracle. But, but he'll, he'll, he'll talk to you. He'll just give you wisdom and give you insight of what you need to do in a situation. Okay? There may be a, someone in your life that's just constantly robbing your time, stealing your time, just eating your time away. And, and, and they become codependent and leaning on you and leaning on you. Well, that's not healthy. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times you just need to say, no, honey, I need to back off here a little bit. You know, you do what you have to do. But you can't let people rob your time. Now, let's get back to this before I get off in all these different directions here. The first thing that, that Adam had was he had a relationship with God. And we're talking about redeeming the time, making the most of your time. The most important part of your life and my life uh, as believers is our relationship with God, number one. Number one is our relationship with God. Adam had a relationship with the Lord God before he had a relationship with his physical wife. And uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 again, verse 9. And I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. God is faithful. Aren't you glad He is? I'm telling you, He remains faithful when even people don't. He says, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now notice this, 
this phrase here, God has called us unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We often refer to someone that has a call in their life, you know, and we're thinking of an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher or something like that, you know, or a missionary, you know, which is true. But before all that, the greatest call that you and I have is a call to fellowship. It's the word koinonia in the Greek, which means close union. Our fellowship and our connection and our communion with God. Thank you, Lord. That is our first and foremost call is our fellowship with the Lord. You all believe that? That is the most important thing. Now, here's the thing. All of us can get so busy. I talk to a lot of people sometimes, you know, and, and uh, I'll talk to people sometimes I haven't seen in a while. I'll say, how you doing? You doing good? Busy, brother. Busy, brother Keith. Amen. Well, being just busy doesn't mean that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Amen. You can be, any one of us can be busy doing the thing. We can be busy doing something, but it may not be exactly what God wants. But I want to be like Jesus. He said, I must be about my father's business. Remember that? His parents came looking for him. At 12 years old, he's in the temple. Glory to God. He's in the temple. And they said, Jesus, where you been? He says, I must be about my father's business. Well, what was he doing at 12 years old? He's in the temple listening to the teachers absorbing the Word of God. He was in that church, church, we call church. He was in the church meeting, hearing the Word of God. And he says, I must be about my father's business. Now, I don't know how they, his parents received that, but I'm sure they were like perplexed. Like, what do you mean? I'm the father. <laughs> you know, Joseph's out there, you know. But Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. And we have to say the same thing. We must be about our heavenly father's business. And his first order of business in the kingdom of God is fellowship with Him, talking with Him, communicating with Him. And what I don't, I don't want to present the idea that you have to spend three or four hours a day in prayer or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all because most of us won't do that, never will do that. Amen. But you can develop an attitude of prayer. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Another translation says never give up prayer. Amen. Because prayer is our vital connection from earth to heaven. You see, prayer is our vertical relationship with the Father, which will affect our horizontal relationship with everybody else. Hallelujah. And if we want things to go the right way, then we need to have develop our vertical relationship with God. I don't care what we're called to do in this life, because I can go around this room and say... Everybody has different jobs, different responsibilities. But you know, the, goal, the good thing about that is, is that God needs you right where you're at. And in a, if you develop your prayer life with God and your fellowship with God and, and open your ear up to Him, He can use you right on the job that you're on. Right where you're at. Hallelujah. So the first thing He says is, He's called us. God is faithful by whom you were called to the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, go to Revelation real quick. Just one verse. Chapter 3 and verse 20. We uh, saw this last week in Revelation 3 and verse 20. The Lord Jesus appeared to, on the Isle of Patmos to the Apostle John. He gave him the book of Revelation. 
And he said in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and I will sup with him and he with me. Do you notice that scripture right there? Now most of us have thought, and I did too for years, that this was like an altar call scripture. You know, I stand at the door and knock, and if you open up your heart, I'll come in, you know. But in actuality, this scripture was not written to sinners. It was written to the church. And the Lord is saying here, Behold, I stand at your door and knock. Here's the thing. The doorknob is on our side. It's not on the outside where Jesus is knocking. It's on the inside. That's us. Jesus says, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. And if any man will open up, see, we have to do that. We open up that door, then the Lord says, I'll come in and sup. Now, what does that mean, sup? Like we say, what's up? You know. <laughs> Jesus coined that statement. <laughs> what's up, man? <laughs> hey, I want to spend some time with you. Amen. <laughs> Jesus says, I want to spend some time with you today. I want to spend a few minutes with you today. And let me, let me tell you something, folks. You don't have to be in a church service. Now, thank God for church. Church is important, has its place. Amen. But God wants you, the whole purpose for church is to teach and to train you how to function in life out there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And God wants you to begin to practice His presence on a regular basis. Glory to God. And I, I don't know about you, but who you hang out with will affect you. It will affect you, good or bad, one way or the other. Amen. The Bible says that we're not to hang out with an, in Proverbs it says, don't, you know, don't hang out with an angry man lest you learn his ways. Someone has is hot-headed, you know what I'm saying? If you become close with a hot-headed person, you will become like that. The Bible says that. Well, you can turn the tables. If you, turn, if you hang out with someone that's godly, that loves God, that will rub off on you. That will affect you. We're supposed to be fruit pickers, amen? And some, if you see good in someone, you can pick that fruit from them and let it become a part of your life, amen? You can learn and we can grow from one another. There's attributes that every one of you have in this room that are godly and good. And we all need each other. Brother Glenn was talking about that, how true that is. We need one another. We need what one another has. But he says, if you open the door, if you hear my voice... Notice the progression. If you hear my voice, then open the door, I will come in. Amen. Brother Kenneth Copeland used this example one time. I'll never forget this. He said, uh, <laughs> he said, you know, he, he, he was raised up under Oral Roberts' ministry. He became his um, uh, pilot. It was just a supernatural thing. He became Oral Roberts' pilot, you know, and never would have dreamed that would have happened in a million years. Well, several years later, after he had gone off in his own ministry, he gets a phone call one day on his phone from Oral Roberts. He says, I'm writing a new book. I want to come over to your house tomorrow and spend a few days, and I want to talk about this book with you and review this book and so forth, and basically sit down and let's fellowship. So, uh, you know, he, he told his wife she was kind of freaking out because she goes, my God, she, he's coming tomorrow. We've got to get this house ready right now, you know. It was like a, a tornado went through that house and got everything ready. Make a long story short, uh, here comes Oral Roberts to their front door, and he spends a couple of days. And he, and he told him, he says, uh, I want to meet with you about 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to be down here. And uh, so Kenneth and Gloria, they got up and they went down. And before, even as they were going down, they noticed Oral Roberts had been sitting there at their dining room table. 
And he thought, my Lord, you know. Think about the most precious man of God or someone that you know that you wouldn't want to spend time with. Sit at the table and talk with them and fellowship with them. You know what I'm talking about? And so they had, he said it was just phenomenal. He said they would be talking back and forth and he would be sharing part of that book, you know, and getting insight and, and you know, it was a give and take thing. It was fellowship. So this went on for two or three days, you know, and uh, <laughs> he said to the Lord, the Lord spoke he says, man, I've been sitting with Oral Roberts every morning. I mean, that's as good as it gets. You know what I'm saying? I'm sitting down with him, you know, mighty man of God, you know, or whoever else. You just put your own name in there, someone that you can think of that you really highly respect. And the Lord spoke to Kenneth. He says, I've been here every morning. <laughs> so, man. <laughs> He says, yeah, I've been here every single morning. He said, well, Roberts came for three days. He goes, but I've been here every morning at this table. And he got, he didn't, it wasn't a condemnation. It was like an awareness of like, and if you hear his voice, it says, if, you, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and fellowship. And if we're, if we're totally honest with ourselves, all of us here, Jesus Christ came into our lives when we got born again. But he, he is with you, He is for you, and He is in your house wherever you live. He is there, okay? And He will give you as much attention as you want. He will talk to you 24 hours a day if that's possible. He will speak to you, He will fellowship with you, He will sup with you, and He will talk with you. And when we understand that prayer, prayer is not a duty, it's, a, it's an awesome response. It's an awesome privilege that we have to be able to. Prayer is nothing more than communication. Everybody here know how to talk? Do you know how to listen? That's what prayer is. Talking, listening. Talking, listening. Listening to Him. Fellowshipping with Him. Talking with Him. And I'll tell you, when we begin to develop this, now I think this is important because some of us here may have been having hard times with this. But God wants to get us over the hump, so to speak, so that we can start developing that, that, that intimacy with God on a regular daily basis, talking with Him, fellowshipping with Him. This is what makes life really interesting. In fact, I'll go as far as to say this, the most important thing on God's heart, the most important thing is not running the universe, but time with His children. The whole reason for the new birth is to restore not only your relationship, but your fellowship with the Father that we lost through Adam's fall. Praise God. Remember it was said of Peter and John, it says they took knowledge of them. There's something different about them, that they had been with Jesus. Well, see, people in the world, people around us, they may not be able to pinpoint exactly what it is, but when you have spent time with the Lord and you've spent time with the Master and you've spent time talking with Him, fellowshipping with Him, there will be people in the world that will say, I don't know what it is about you, but I like what's, what I see. They may not be able to phrase it the right way, but when you've been with Jesus and you've been with Him, what's in Him comes out of you. Amen? Jesus is full of love, full of mercy, full of compassion, full of goodness, isn't He? He's the epitome of all those good things. Love, joy, peace. He is the ultimate. He created those things. And so when I'm with Him, what's in Him becomes a part of me and comes out of me. And so other people will begin to experience 
the goodness of God through me or through you when you've spent time with the Lord. Amen. Isn't that powerful? So, behold, I stand at the door and knock. <laughs> Amen. And the Lord's just waiting on us every single morning. I'm telling you, that's the best time. In fact, while we're on there, just go over real quickly to Psalm, Psalm 63. And I want to show you something. Then we're going to go to Luke here. But in Psalm 63, hallelujah. Church is never church without God's presence. Doesn't matter how many people are here. What matters is, is God's presence here. Amen. And if, God's pre- if we're aware of God's presence, if we're aware of His presence, that will literally change. I mean, today can be completely different than we've ever experienced in this church service right now. When we understand God's presence is here. Amen? Right now, I'm more conscious of God's presence than I am physical presence of everybody here. More conscious. And that's where we need to get. But David said this, and he wrote this down for us, and he, and he said in verse 1, 63 of Psalm 1 and 2, it says, O God, Thou art my God. Makes it personal. Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where, there were, where no water is. To see Thy power and Thy glory, so as I have seen Thee in the sanctuary. No, notice the, can you see David's heart right here? Oh, God. He says, I long for you. You are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longeth for you in a dry and thirsty land. Now, he's describing his spiritual hunger and thirst for God. Remember Jesus said this. He says, they that in Matthew 5, we call the Beatitudes. He says, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, or we would say after God, for they shall be filled. Amen. And something that we can develop on purpose is a hunger and a thirst for God. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you taste and see of His goodness, my Lord. I'm sure like you have, uh, I've had people tell me from time to time, they say, we went to this particular restaurant. And uh, it's over in this part of town. We over, and I'm telling you what, it's the best food we have ever had. Oh, you got to taste it. you got to try this. And there have been times that we've taken those people at our words and say, okay, we're going to try this out. We've gone there, you know. For some reason, it didn't seem as good to us as it did to them maybe, you know. But on the contrary, sometimes you'll go and you'll taste of that food and whatever they, the chef prepares there. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is better than I thought it would be. And so when you taste something that's that good and made that good, it's amazing how a chef can take something and put a little different spices in it or whatever they do and make it taste so good, right? Making you hungry right now. And um, you, when you taste something that's good, you automatically, you don't even think about it, you start talking to other people, oh, I tried this restaurant, I went to this place, you, know, you should have tried the food, that was, it was unbelievable, you know. Some people will travel a hundred some miles just to go to a good restaurant, you know. Well, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When I realize that how good God is, 
when I know this, I can tell you this, people that have been to heaven and back, and I've heard enough testimonies about this, genuine, authentic things, those people, it's hard, they said it's very hard, it's very difficult to put it in English words, how much goodness there is, how much love there is, how much acceptance, they've never felt so embraced and so loved by God, and so accepted, no judgment whatsoever, just love, total love from a creator, their creator. It never, they're never the same. When you realize how loved you are by God, you will never want to get away from His presence. It's when we don't understand the goodness of God that we, every person in this place right now, in this hotel, if they understood how good God really is, they'd be on their face seeking God every single day. When they realize how good He is. Amen? The devil's a bad devil. That's a revelation. And God's a good God. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He does those three things. Steal, kill, and to destroy. That's not God's business. That's the devil's business. A lot of times God gets blamed for things that he's never been responsible for. Amen? When I was in grade school, I remember, McGibney Elementary School. And we were outside at recess. Seven, eight years old, something like that. And uh, the bell would ring, and the the uh, uh, the people, the, the what would they call them? The uh, the people outside, they'd be watching all the kids. You know, they'd they'd blow their little whistle back in those days. You know, we'd all line up, you know, double behind each other. You know, and then they would march into the back into our classrooms. You know, and it seemed like on every single day we'd line up. You know, and somebody behind us, some kid behind us, when the when the when the lunch guard wasn't looking, and somebody would reach up and slap him in the head. Well, this kid. <laughs> This little kid would turn around thinking it's the guy behind him. Because he, he did this type of thing. Bam, you know. So he'd turn around and whack, you know. And before you know it, turned in a little rumble right there, you know. He said, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, you know. And that's what, that was, that's back in the old days, you know what I'm saying. I remember that on the playground and all this kind of stuff. And uh, so I remember thinking about that and I thought the kid didn't do anything that was behind him it was the kid on the other side that reached over and slapped him and he thought the enemy was right behind him this kid we're lined up two by two you know I'm going into the building and uh, that's exactly what the devil does that he he slaps people with sickness and disease or calamity or tragedy or something like that and he'll say God did that all right? God did that. Well, let, let me tell you something. You got to look at the ministry of Jesus. Did he go around slapping sickness and disease on people? You never see him once putting sickness and disease. Now, you see him delivering people, you see him healing people, but you never, ever once saw him tell a person, you know, it's the will of God that you remain sick. So that God can teach you some deep message through this sickness and disease. You never once see that, not one time. Okay? Now, if you did that to your kids, they'd throw you in jail. Right? That'd be considered child abuse. If you did that to your kids, if you why do we blame God for people have blamed religion has blamed religion is disgusting. It has taught people 
things that are not biblical or not scriptural. And no wonder sometimes people run from God's because they think, and I've known people like this. I've been in churches like this through the years, unfortunately. I've met people that have been damaged badly because of wrong teaching and wrong doctrine. Listen, God's a good God. He's a good God. Capital G. Capital O. Capital O. Capital D. He's a good God. And when I understand how good He is, I run to Him. I want more of Him. I'm thirsty for Him. Listen, I've tasted, like some of you have, I've tasted of God's goodness here and there in my life, you know, and seeing His goodness and His mercy. You know what? That just makes me want Him all the more. All the more. So David said here, My God, thou art my God, early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you, longs for you in a dry and thirsty land. Now let's go real quick here, because uh, we're almost out of time, but to Hebrews chapter 11. And I want to show you this. We're talking about our priorities when it comes to redeeming the time. And if you put spiritual things first in your life, let me just say this. If you put your relationship with God first in your life, everything else, it will have a domino effect on every single thing else in your life. We don't want to just be so busy for the sake of being busy, but we want to be about the Father's business. Want to redeem the time. Hallelujah. God can do all kind of stuff for us if we just put Him first. But we see in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, says, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. That's God. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Do you see the progression here? That without faith it's impossible to please God. Me, you, all of us, the only avenue whereby we can please God is by faith. Believing that He is. Now notice this. He says, without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God, first of all, must believe that He is. And that He is a rewarder. Now is God a rewarder? Yes, He is. He's a rewarder of them that what? Oh, here we go. Diligently seek Him. So, if I don't diligently seek God, then I cannot expect God to reward me. Are you with me? That's what that implies right there. There's no way, I heard someone say it like this, there's no way you can be a diligent seeker of God unless you first believe that God is. You have to believe that He is when you go before Him, because that's what motivates you. God, I'm not praying to the, the air here. I'm praying to a, a man. I'm praying to Jesus. I'm praying to God. Hallelujah. I believe that you are. And that motivates us to go right into the presence of God. Without faith, that's what he's talking about. Without faith, believing that He is. Um, you cannot be a diligent seeker. We have to do it by faith. So if we really know, I wrote down here, if we really knew how much God loved us and wants to reward us, we would never stop seeking God. Never stop seeking God. Many times the Lord has answers for us that are just there. 
The Scripture tells us that sound wisdom is laid up for the righteous. Not from the righteous. For the righteous. God has given all of us wisdom. Well, how do we get that wisdom? We wait upon the Lord. We go before Him. Praise God. There's been, uh, I can't even count how many times in my own life where I had questions about something or I needed to have some, inf- I needed some wisdom. And uh, I'm like, Lord, I need your wisdom right now. And once I understood the fact that if I could spend time before Him and just thanking Him, praising Him, listening to Him, and uh, cultivating a hearing ear, if you will, then I was in a position. This just happened to me the other day. God spoke to me something, um, in fact, yesterday. Said something, showed me something, you know. I mean, it may seem little to you, but it was big to me. And I said, thank you, Lord, for showing that to me, you know. Um, so if we develop a, an ear that's, that's going to hear. Now, have you ever seen these dog whistles before? You ever hear of a dog whistle? And it's like, I'm like, I didn't hear nothing. Right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. They must not be in church. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Where was I? Was I? Oh yeah, dog whistle. Okay. Now, a dog whistle has frequencies that a dog can hear but a human can't. Okay? And, uh, you know, they even have these deer whistles now that you can put on the front of your car, you know, and you can't hear it, but you're going down the highway and it's, it's a little, you've probably seen those things, and it sends off, you know, a, a frequency that, I guess, animals can hear and they can jump out of the way, hopefully, you know. And, um, but point, point being is this, those, that frequency can be heard by those dogs where we are not on that frequency, we can't hear that, okay. There is a frequency from heaven that's always being sent out from heaven. And the people that will hear God's voice are the people that will make differences in the earth today. It's what we, when we hear from heaven and we hear from God and we listen to Him, what the world's not hearing, we're picking up on that. We've got an antenna up. Thank you, Lord. I hear that. Praise God. If any man, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. Amen. Well, I'm his sheep. He's your allegory, of course, not literally. I'm not literally a sheep, neither are you. But he said, my sheep hear my voice. And a stranger's voice, they will not follow. Now, we know that, that, that even in the Far East, even to this day, I just saw a video recently about this that bears out this truth about the fact that um, a shepherd uh, has a certain voice that those sheep will only respond to. And they showed this one <laughs> Uh, example I thought it was pretty interesting. I think I might have even showed in church one time. Yeah. But uh, um, somebody came out there and started yelling at the sheep. There's a herd of sheep out there. And this girl came out and yelled. Some, some other guy came over and tried something. And they just kept grazing. They didn't mind. They didn't even lift their heads up. But all of a sudden the real shepherd comes over and he makes some kind of a yelp and a noise, you know, that only those sheep are familiar with. And all of a sudden it shows a bunch of sheep just running towards the shepherd. 
Why? Because those sheep of have an ear tuned in to their shepherd. Someone else tried to be a false shepherd. They stepped in there and, hey, you dumb sheep. <laughs> and they didn't respond. When Jesus is talking, we have ears to hear. Do you remember that commercial years ago when E.F. Hutton talks? <laughs> remember that? Well, I don't think he's doing too good right now. <laughs> you know? But when Jesus talks, we have ears to hear what he's saying to us. Now, God doesn't have to tell you something complicated to be God. How can? Boy, he can get real technical. You know what I'm saying? But I believe God just talks to you things like, son, daughter, I just want you to know today that I love you. And that I'm here for you today. Is there anything that you need? You mean God would say that to me? Listen, Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom of heaven will be a servant of all. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, be a servant. Amen? Well, guess what? Jesus and the apostles, they're still serving. Amen? Hallelujah. So if any man have ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. We can have ears to hear what he's saying to us. Amen. Let's go to uh, one more scripture and we'll close here. In uh, Matthew chapter 6. I guess that would help to know where to go, right? But Matthew chapter 6, we'll just touch on this and then we'll have to pick this up next week. Praise God. Are you learning something today? I keep hearing that phrase, I must be about my father's business. Amen. On a daily, and that, that first and foremost business is business, our time with God. Some people call it quiet time, whatever you want to call it, alone time, you know. That was a phrase that we were kind of raised up when I was in youth group is quiet time. Amen. Get quiet before God. Hear what he's trying to say to us. That's one thing I can say that they honestly, they drilled into us in our youth camps was you got to have that quiet time. Amen. And before we did fun activities as a youth, you know, they said, you've got to have your quiet time. And so we were at this camp and they'd say people would just take off, go out into the corner of the woods somewhere and spend time with God. But I'll tell you what, that was, that was awesome. I was in my young life group and, and things like that and church camps. And they taught us back in those days, back in the 60s, to have that quiet time. Thank God they did. Amen. Now, some people just goofed off, went out in the woods and just hunted squirrels and stuff like that. But, you know, <laughs> I'm telling you what, you learn how to listen to God. But in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says, No man can serve two masters. Either will hate the one and love the other, or will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for the body what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? He said, Look, the birds of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? What's the answer? Yes. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for... I lost my place here. Hold on a second here. 
Okay. I touched the wrong button and it erased everything here. Okay, verse 28 says, By why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They tore not, neither do they spin. But yet I say unto you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And uh, look at the conclusion here. It says, Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall He not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Wherefore, I like this, verse 31, Take no thought, saying, How do you take a thought? You say it. We've heard that before. But I, I think it helps to hear it again. You take a thought by saying it. That's a good thought or a bad thought, right? Take no thought, saying what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? How shall we be clothed? For after these things the Gentiles or the heathen seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Now, what's he talking about here? He's talking about what you wear, what you eat. In other words, the basic necessities of life. God knows that you have need of these things. He knows that you have to eat. He, he knows that you have to have clothing and so forth. And he says, but here's the thing. The Gentiles or the heathen, he says, they're seeking after the things, what you can eat, what you can wear, and all these basic things, all right? They're seeking after these things all the time. How many of you know what I'm talking about? He says, therefore, in verse 33, but ye seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, things you eat, things you wear, things you drive, shall be added to you. Now notice this, that's God's mathematics. These things shall be added to you. Notice that you can do something spiritual and it will affect the material. Amen? But the world says, seek after the things, seek after the things, seek after the things. But God says, if you just put my kingdom first, you build up the inner man, you build up your spirit man, you spend time with God, you seek Him first to the best of your ability, God says, I will see to it that your needs will be met. I will see to it that you will be well taken care of. When people are losing their jobs, you're going to have a better job. Amen? When things are happening in the world, it won't happen to you. It may look like it, but it's not going to happen. God is going to take care of you. So I think today, in conclusion here, the greatest enemy that we have is not the devil. He's been defeated. It's not our neighbor. But our greatest enemy is not managing our time properly. That's our greatest enemy. That can either work for us or it can work against us. And if we see on God's priority list that a relationship with God is the first thing that Adam had, and if we cultivate and develop that relationship on a regular basis, even if you start out with a few minutes a day every morning, just a, I mean, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you'd be surprised how that will develop and it will increase. But see, you're putting yourself in a divine position for God to promote you and to increase you and to give to you things that you never dreamed possible. He is a rewarder of those men and women that diligently seek Him. Amen? Amen. Praise God. There's been times, you know, I'd, 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 be, uh, I'd be upstairs, you know, and, and I'd walk into Kelly's bedroom and I'd see her in there and uh, just spending time with God, just reading the Word or Josh, the same thing, you know. And you know, as a father, that blesses me more than anything else. 
is to see my kids put God first. That's the greatest gift I could receive from, from my kids is putting God first in their lives. Oh, my goodness. Not so they can say, we're trying to please you, Dad. No, it's trying to please the Heavenly Father. The Heavenly Father. Putting Him first. Amen. Let's pray. We'll close. Father, we thank you today. Thank you today. That we have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us. Thank you so much, Father. And Lord, throughout this week, I believe with all my heart, you're going to be speaking to us, talking to us, revealing yourself to us, all of us. So Lord, give us, give us ears to hear this week, Lord, starting today, Father. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Many times, uh, you can look up for a second here, many times you'll get like a bad report. You'll get some kind of bad news. You'll just be going along. you get some kind of a negative report. Something will come to you. But if you check in your heart, you check inside your spirit, say, Lord, what do you, what do you have to say about that right now? The Holy Ghost will say, hey, it's, you don't have nothing to worry about. It's going to work out. I'm going to take care of that. Don't worry about it. It's going to work out. But the enemy will try to put pressure on your soul and your mind to get you to get all ruffled and worried and upset. You know what I'm saying? But if you listen in here, the Holy Spirit will talk to you and say, it's going to be all right. Don't worry about this. Enjoy your day. Have fun. <laughs> you know, God's into having fun. How many of you know that? Amen. Amen. He wants you to enjoy your life. Enjoy today. What's, what's before us. So believe, believe that you have ears to hear what he's telling you, what he's talking to you about. Amen? Glory to God.